A reading from Haggai. In the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit abides among you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, Once again, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, so that the treasure of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the second letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one be deceived, no, let no one deceive you in any way, for that way will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose, he called you through our proclamation of good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm 
and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word or of, of mouth or by our letter. Now, let, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loves us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. <clears throat> Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. We only have to look at the newspaper or turn on the television or look at the internet for 30 seconds, and we recognize that we live in an age of anxiety. We not only consume it metaphorically, but in many ways we breathe it and we live it, driven by market forces, capitalist interests, profit motives, everything that keeps the Bay Area engine running at about, oh, 120%, would you say? 130%? My week was like that. I don't know about yours, but having to catch up from the power outage the week before, plus being spun around by the time change, last week felt like it was pedal to the metal every minute. Anybody else have that experience? Yeah, I imagine so. I imagine so. Well, today's readings have good news in them, as strange and weird as they may sound to our ears so many centuries after they were written. Today's readings are all about living in an age of anxiety. It starts with the words from the prophet Haggai, 
who has gone to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judea, the governor of Jerusalem, perhaps. He's gone there after the Israelites have returned from captivity in Babylon and the temple is under construction. And Zerubbabel is, like any good government official, he is anxious about the future of his people. And the Israelites are still a tiny group. And there's all kinds of intrigue still going on in the empire. So Zerubbabel doesn't know if an army is going to show up tomorrow or next week or next month or next year and say, you have to stop now, we're taking over Jerusalem again. Doesn't know if somebody high up in the hierarchy of the empire is going to come down hard on them as is depicted in portions of scripture and say, these Israelites are up to no good again, they're building something, we have to stop them. Zerubbabel probably had to think about how are we going to pay the workers? How are we going to keep everybody fed? What if there's a bad season? What if we run out of building materials? What are the people providing us the material? I mean, it's like a supply chain, right? It's like America talking to China. It's like all of the things that we hear about in the news that are causing anxiety everywhere. And Haggai goes to Zerubbabel and says, listen, listen, your God is not just any God. And he keeps using this phrase over and over again. Our God is the Lord of hosts. That's an expression in the Hebrew scriptures to mean our God is the Lord of all of the armies, all of the things you fear. God is greater than they are. So buck up. Keep a spine. Keep building. Keep doing what you are called to do beyond the realm of anxiety. Paul, in a similar vein, is writing to a very early Christian community in a pair of letters that we think are the earliest written records by Christians in Scripture. Somewhere around the first, the middle of the first century, these were written. This is a small group of Christians in Thessalonica, anxious probably because they were looked sideways at by their Jewish sisters and brothers, and because the greater Roman Empire probably posed an imminent threat to whether they would be able to continue into the next generation. And Paul reminds them, if you're getting blinkered by anxiety, you are losing the big picture, the forest through the trees. Let go and remember that God is the God of eternal life. God has this all in hand. We may not be able to see it, but the walk of faith is one where we turn our anxieties over to God and trust that God in Christ will deliver us sooner or later. Keep the faith. God did not promise that we would be successful, but God asks that we be faithful. That is our calling. Remember that. Remember that. And then finally, we have this wonderful story from the Gospel according to Luke. I'm amazed that more people don't laugh at the Sadducees' hypothetical. Right? you listen closely to it, it is absolutely silly. 
I remember having a conversation with the chancellor of the diocese. And at one point he said, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I get paid to get anxious about hypotheticals and then write language to hedge against them. I don't know if that's true. The lawyers in the room can correct me if that is indeed a lawyer's occupation. The Sadducees, we know very little about them except that they were a small sect of Judaism very closely tied with the temple priesthood and that they had a very conservative understanding of the tradition. If it wasn't written in the Torah, it didn't matter and it did not exist. And they were very anxious about attending to the letter of the law that is found there. So much so that this is one of those stories in the Gospels where Jesus finds himself on the side of that other sect, the Pharisees. You remember them? They were actually the innovators of their time in Judaism. They were the ones who had brought in a wide variety of traditions from the wider world, including angels and all the things that we sometimes take for granted in the tradition, and they taught that there was a life after death. There was resurrection. The Sadducees could not find that in the Torah, so they were offended by that. So they come to Jesus with an outrageous hypothetical. Someone pointed out at the 8 o'clock to me today, You know, she had seven husbands, and they all died on her watch. What was really going on in the story? So we have to hear it with that sense of humor. Because our anxieties are like that, right? They say crazy things. Someone I know says that anxiety is a liar and a thief, right? takes up a lot of our energy, and is always spinning out these really remote hypotheticals to us to keep us blinkered and keep us locked in that place. It's like our ancient ancestors who probably lived in caves, and it's our programming that says, is there a tiger there or not, right? Always wondering what is in the darkness. But we are called to be children of the light. Jesus pushes back against the Sadducees because they are being silly. And Jesus reminds them that the call of the kingdom is not to live in anxiety or obsessed with the jots and tittles of the legalese, of the teachings we have received, but to embrace the deeper tradition a tradition that is as wide as it is deep. Jesus even throws the Sadducees a bone. He doesn't leave the Torah to push back. He points out that other passage in Exodus where Moses meets God in the burning bush and reminds them that God doesn't say, I am the God of your deceased ancestors, the great patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God talks about them as though they are living and alive. This is a God for whom death is not an obstacle. A radical notion that overturns everything we think we know about our world and everything that we tend to get anxious about. Why? So that we can live in newness of life. 
a life that is given to us out of love. Our God, who loves a world beyond our age of anxiety and who calls us out of anxious thoughts and into that great reign of God that is filled with light, joy, love, mercy, kindness, and a community like ours called from our many walks of life into new life, given for a world in desperate need of healing.